You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and joining me in the co-host chair is Mr. Brent Bergherm. How are you, Brent? Hey, doing well. Good to be here. Excellent. We were talking before we started about how uh, this time of year is just busy. We have, you know, family family <laughs> obligations. We, obligations. I make it sound like it's terrible. I, right. <laughs> family holiday events uh, that I definitely want to participate in. You know, we have a, a yearly tradition of recording us setting up the Christmas tree. And I got the video, but I haven't processed. Anyway, there's so much going on. I've had family shoots. I've had high school shoots. We're going to talk about that today. There's just a lot of it. So I missed last week. Um, I'm hoping that I'll make up for it <laughs> by having a good show today <laughs> in this episode. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> let's talk about... So I, I I teased this in the Facebook group. I put out a, a couple of images that came from a recent shoot of the local high school uh, women's basketball team. And... Um, the images weren't fully finished or polished up yet, but I thought, I wonder if people are interested in an episode on this. So I, I put out the, the sample images and said, Hey, comment below if you're interested in this being the subject of a podcast. And, uh, there were quite a few that said, yeah, they, they'd love to hear about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit about it, Brent. I, I want to get into beginning tips for starting sports team photography and, I am by no means an expert in this area. I've, <laughs> I have joined a couple of Facebook groups now where people talk about it. And there are some people that have this down to a science and yeah. a huge, huge moneymaker for them. They make uh, like an entire year's salary in the three months or four months that they do this between basketball and football mostly, but there's hockey and, you know, all the sports get covered by, by people to, to do this type of photography. And, and it, it's definitely needed. Um, but I know it's also been ravaged a little bit. You have, you have the, uh, I think it's called life touch is the company out there that does offers similar kinds of services with not nearly the level of quality in it, but at very small prices, they, they train high schoolers <laughs> to go, but get behind the camera. Uh, they train them how to set up like their screens and, and take the pictures and you end up with the quality of a high school kid who's been trained for, you know, a day or two on how to use the equipment. They, they don't know how to take photos. They just know what they've been told to do and it produces images. So it, it's okay. I mean, every mom and dad, they all want the images. So of their, their kids playing sports. So, you know, it, it's a service meeting a, a need. Um, but th I'm talking about kind of another level up from that. Are, are you familiar with LifeTouch and kind of what they do and how that how Yeah, works? I'm a little familiar with LifeTouch. And certainly in the sports genre, this is not my forte either, <laughs> but I have done large groups and trying to work them through efficiently and get consistent work and consistent results. That can be a huge challenge sometimes too, especially if your lighting for some reason changes throughout your shoot, i.e. if you're near a window, you're outdoors, what have you. So there's certainly a lot of challenges each individual shoot will present to you. Um, so I have a little bit of familiarity, I guess, with this genre. But yeah, when it comes to sports, not specifically. 
Okay, so I, I want to be clear. I'm just offering some suggestions on how you can get started into this. Sure. Uh, I am not a full-time... They call themselves TNI photographers mostly. Volume TNI stands for team and individual. And the volume aspect is the most important aspect. The right. driving force behind all of this is to make money. And the driving for the, the way that you're going to make money then is you've got to do volume and you got to do it. You got to get shots done and fast. Um, and so it, it takes some skill though to be able to make this happen so that you can get a certain level of quality and also accomplish the goal of a, a lot of volume and a, doing them really fast. So I, I've seen as I've been watching in the Facebook groups, I've, I've been doing similar types of photography here for a few years now. But not in volume, not super fast either. I usually, it usually takes me, well, it's not my full time thing. So <laughs> it takes me, it takes me a while to go through. Uh, like with this last shoot, we had 33 girls, 33 athletes on the women's high school basketball team that we, we shot. And, um, you know, we did multiple poses of each of them, both individual and team. And, um, so, it, you know, all in, it was probably 500 ish images that came out of the shoot that all need to be like edited and processed and put onto a website so that everyone can buy them. And, and that's a lot, that's a lot of images. Yeah. It's not like you're going through uh, 500 images and saying, well, this is a family shoot and we're going to take maybe 10 out of the 500 and, uh, and work on those, edit those and deliver those to the client. This is like, I'm going to deliver almost all of the 500 images <laughs> to this team. And I, I really need to get it like, you know, in a week, we got to, we got to get all this processed and done. And I'm not doing this full time. This is just what I can get done in uh we, in lunch hours or weekends or after, you know, evenings. And so, um, so I've been trying to tune this. I've been trying to figure out how do I make this faster? Uh, my objective is not to make tons of money on this. It'd be nice, especially because this, the basketball season coordinates very well with the Christmas time and the need for extra funds to be able to, you know, bankroll that. So, so that helps. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's definitely not my primary goal. I, I want to get, I want to learn how to make it work better. And I also want to deliver high quality images to these sports teams. It's just, it means a lot to me. And I love to see these athletes and their parents when they see these images, they just gush over them. It's so much fun to be able to see it. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, we, I, I think all of us can relate to that. If you do any kind of portrait work and you deliver good images that, that your client likes, it's a, it's a great feeling. And, and usually you're, you're talking about like a senior or a family and it's fun. But when you have 33 people and their families that all love. Oh, it's just so much fun to, to be a part of. So I, Brent, I wanted to kind of go through and like you stop me along the way where you have questions where you, you know, maybe don't understand what I've been talking about. Cause I've been doing this enough, that I'm not sure I'm going to remember to state everything. Um, sure. Let's talk then about how you can get to a high speed workflow. That because that's the critical piece of all of this. You cannot spend six months working on these 500 images and delivering them to a client. It has to happen in a week, maybe two weeks. And well, you know, and if if I might yeah. jump in really quick, I imagine you're thinking of being efficient when you're photographing these people too. It's all aspects along the way. Everything yeah. you can do. I, I've got. Uh, I've now tried numerous tools to be able to help improve the workflow, speed up the workflow. Some of them are pricey. I finally decided this year to invest in one of the tools that seems most prominent 
across uh, all of the groups that I've been a part of, and it is absolutely worth the money if this is something that you're interested in going into. That this I wouldn't suggest going any other direction now that I've tried a, cool. a few of them. So I'll, I'll share what that is, and, and we'll talk about how to use it. But you're right, starting right at the beginning with how you take capture the images, how you create the images in the camera is critical to this. You cannot have... Um, Lighting change, like you, you alluded to earlier, and that can be a challenge if you're outdoors. Now, this is basketball, so we have a gym, yeah. and we're in the gym, and we can control the light. So, But making sure you set up the lights the right way for your purposes, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I have done that. It's not to say that it's the only way, and that's it goes across all of our episodes. I, sure. have, I had tons of people... Call you know, contact me and say how wrong I am about whatever <laughs> whatever it is <laughs> that I'm trying to uh, share uh, knowledge of, and I, it's the caveat for any of our episodes. I'm going to tell you one way that I do it, one way that I've been successful. It doesn't mean it's the only way to do anything. Everything we talk about, there's multiple ways to get to a good result, and it all depends on your own uh, skills, your own uh, environment, where what you're working on. There's, there's lots of ways to do things. I just like sharing kind of what's worked for me so that others might be able to benefit from it. And if it doesn't work for you exactly the way we're talking about it, at least it might get you on the path to know what questions or what things you want to look into changing and, and find other things. I, I think one of the challenges we face as photographers is how do I even get started on this thing? If, if I wanted to offer to do sports photos for my son's basketball team or soccer team or what, whoever, whatever sports uh, you even have any idea of how to do that and how to make it so that it's not a massive burden that's going to stress you out for three weeks because everyone's asking where the photos are. <laughs> yeah. And so, so that's what I'm hoping will work today. So let, let's start with the camera, in-camera stuff. Um, your first decision that you, you have to make is, am I going to, um, am I going to do any work on extracting the athlete's from the background that you take them in and put them into a like really fancy template. And I, I say that because you certainly can take images. Uh, you, you can set things up in like if you're in the gym, if it's this is a basketball gym. So you have the high school logo you can work with. You have the basketball hoop that could be in your background. You could totally set up a pretty nice scene so that you're taking up and then you just have to light them like you would any other portrait, make sure the, the lighting looks good. And that can be the images for sure. And, and that can be something you can deliver. That's not what, and that's what T and I does, or sorry, that's what life touch does. They, they don't really extract your athletes, the athletes from anything. They just uh, take the image using the, the background that they, you have the natural background you have and uh, very, very minimal kinds of, you know, speed edits that the high school kid can apply a preset and, and that's it that they put those out. And those are, those are the images that you have to work with. Well, and even that scenario presents its own challenges because you have a vast potential of light temperature differences. Sure. And then your backgrounds just feel a little off or you've got more work to do in post-production so they don't feel off or you need to figure out how do you balance those light temperatures so they feel cohesive between your subject and your background. And if you're going to go with an extraction process, then you don't have to worry about that at all. And right. that's kind of nice. It is. And and it just takes it to the next level, which is I'm going to not talk. I'm not covering in this episode. I don't, we don't have time. I, I don't want to talk about the that the process I just said where you're going to yeah. just in the natural environment. 
that's just more of a almost a normal client portrait shoot. That's what that is. And we've talked a lot about different lighting options for those kinds of things. I want to talk specifically about the use case where you've decided you want to level up this sports photography a little bit, and you want to extract the athlete from the background and place them into a really nice template. And so, so that's, that's where we're going to go with this right now. Perfect. To do that, you have kind of two choices. Um, you can shoot against a green screen or blue screen. They, they're really mostly the same. Or you can choose like gray, white as a background. And in the past, I've said it on the show before, maybe in Photo Taco, I have always preferred the gray slash white. And I've used white. I, I don't I have a gray screen. I wish I did because that would be my preference if I had it. Gray then can be any color you want. And um, with with gels and, and making it, you have just a lot of creative processes. The white doesn't really work very well for that. But I have a white. I have used that in the past. And the primary reason I've used that in the past was I tried green screen and I could not get rid of the spill. That's what they, they yeah. call it, where light it bounces off of the green and reflects onto whatever reflective surface that might be. So the shadows on your subjects can look greenish. Your highlights can look very, very greenish. And in particular, in between the hair. And th- now I'm shooting the women's basketball team. That means I've got women's hair, teenage girls' hair to deal with. They all, of course, primped and pr- you know, <laughs> they got ready for this shoot. They knew we were taking nice. photos. Their <laughs> hair is very, very important. They didn't just put up their hair in a ponytail like they might for practice. This was, you know, they spent some time on this. And that's an important aspect to be able to capture well without green in between the hair strands. And I struggled and struggled. I, I tried it on my own before these shoots in the past, trying to use a green screen. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get it to work well at speed. Like if I worked on an right. image long enough, sure, I can clean it up. That I think that's the ticket there because Photoshop, when you do that extraction, it does have a decolorized fringe or whatever yeah, they call it. Yeah. Forgive me now. I'm, I'm re- not decontaminate remembering the exact term. Is the, if that's the option in, in like the, uh, the selective mask workspace. There's a decontaminate, decontaminate colors. There it is. Yes. Yeah. Decontaminate colors. And that does work pretty good, but still it's not as good as just having that white screen, that yeah. white field behind. That's exactly. Sure. So, so I was convinced that for me, I didn't like the green screen. I wanted, I liked what I could get. the The white was way more forgiving. I, if I can light the background, the white. If I can put light on the background so that it's actually blown out, and I have the model far enough away from it so that the blown out light doesn't blow out their highlights, then, um, then it's very forgiving to be able to do like remove background in Photoshop, have it super close. You might need to go to select and mask workspace, use the refine edge brush, go around the hair and, and refine it a little bit. And, uh, and that's not bad. And I could get it down to where per image I could maybe get about like a five minutes and I'm, I feel good about the extraction, but five minutes times 500 images is a lot of time. Yes. <laughs> a whole lot of time. But that's exactly how I did this in the past. I did a white screen. I used that. Now, uh, admittedly, that was older versions of Photoshop. They have improved the remove background stuff a lot. They've added some artificial intelligence to it. Uh, it works better today than it did in the past. And I tried that fresh with green screen this year. 
I had to make a decision. Everybody that I follow in, in, in the other two groups of volume sports photography that I've been in part of in Facebook, they all swear by the green screen. Well, almost all. Some of them use a white screen that's called a Lasto Light white screen. And what's really cool about it is you can stick your flashes inside. It's like a, it's a pop-up screen, but it has depth um, where there's like air in between two ends. It's sort of a, a box. And you can put your flashes inside of the background and light it and really make a very even glowing box of light that you put behind the models. And some people definitely still prefer that. There's a few, every time the subject comes up of someone new getting in the group, they say, should I go green screen or white screen? And the majority say, absolutely green screen that you, you will, um, it's a time saver. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but there's still occasionally someone's like, no, no way I'd ever give up my Elasto Light white background. It is phenomenal. So you still have some choices there and you can try it. And I, I would like to try again with white and the newer removed background in Photoshop. Uh, but it, today I want to tell you about my experience with green. And I changed my mind on green when it comes to volume sports photography. And that's, that's kind of the key thing. Um, Combined with some extensions I'm going to tell you about, that made, it made it a massive time saver for me this year. It's been amazing to be able to see what, what can be done with some specialized tools that work with green or blue. You can use a blue screen and get a similar result. Um, then the challenge, well, we'll talk, we'll go through that in, in more detail here about what it is. Um, so you have to make that decision and the white is going to work pretty good. Like I said, if you use remove background in Photoshop, you are going to have to open every one of those images. You're going to have to hit the remove background. You can try to do to create some scripts. Uh, Brent, have you created any kind of actions in, in Photoshop? Yes, I have. Uh, it's really nice feature in Photoshop for sure to do those actions. So describe real quickly, because if, if somebody wanted to go the white screen route and they wanted to add a little bit of automation, how can you like record an action that does yeah. the remove background and saves off the image? And, and uh, how would you go about doing that? Yeah. So first off, you need to open up the automations panel and that is going to be in your, should be in your window and, oh, it's called actions. I'm sorry. So your actions panel. So your window actions and then and that's the menu item window. And then you've it brings up the actions panel and you've got some predetermined actions already there, but anything you can do in Photoshop as it relates to the menu items that you can select or the tools that you have, like a cropping tool, for example, anything like that, you would be able to automate and record in this actions item. So you would hit the record or you hit the hamburger menu, say new action and um, then you would be able to go through and whether it's a levels adjustment, a curves adjustment, any layer adjustment, anything along those lines, you'd be able to do that and record it as an action. And then you're able to apply those as a batch process. Right. That's where the time savings comes in. You can apply it as a batch process and do those things to all your images. And the fun part is, especially if you have a faster computer, you don't even see the images open. It just bangs it out and it just works on it. And if you have a slightly slower computer, then you'll see it open the, the image. It'll maybe 
do a preview for you or not as it's working on it, but it can really just uh, save you a bunch of time doing that. The challenge I've had in doing some of these things, like for instance, if I'm trying to uh, automate putting in a a watermark or something like that, you have to be really over the top picky on your pixel counts and things like that for where you would place something because if you have a different resolution image, it's going to place it in a different location from image to image. So sometimes it doesn't work, but if you have something that is like a color adjustment, it doesn't matter what size image you have, or in this case, all your image sizes would be identical, you're you're going to have a pretty good luck with it, I think. Right. Yes, yeah, so that's that's right. And so so that's an idea. You can absolutely, like for free, go and record yourself in action. You can probably find some actions that are out there that will... Um, do the remove background for you too. If, if you search around, you can probably find something, but it's not that hard to go and record it and, and save yourself some time. You can then run it as a batch, point it to a, a directory that has like in my case, these 500 images. And, um, and if you used a white background, then you can just have it do the select subject, remove background action across all of them. And, and you end up with some decent results where you, you might need to clean things up a little bit per image, but at least that action's already done on every single one of them. And you don't have to go through at least the opening them yourself and, and doing those, the actions of select subject and, and, uh, remove background. I found that the green screen plus this software I'm going to tell you about now is way more efficient. <laughs> it's, it's not even close. Now, this software does not work with white or gray. It only works with green primarily, and you, if you want to, you can use blue. It will kind of auto-detect, too, between green and blue, or you can actually tell it which one it is. And why would you use blue instead of green? Well, that's if you're shooting a team that you know has green colors in their jerseys. <laughs> then, yeah. Then save yourself some time. <laughs> if there's not blue, then you use blue. <laughs> that's a really easy thing. The, the software, this extension I'm going to tell you about, also can... Uh, allow you to do like protecting the green in a uniform, but it it just makes it way more harder. If if you know that the team you're going to shoot has green in it, then try the the blue screen. If it's got green and blue, well now you got a trouble. Now you got a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now you might like want to go the white. Seattle Seahawks or something. Right. Yep. Kind of have to consider it. So um, it, there's there's lots of things there, but remember the whole key to this is speed. That's that's the biggest thing is getting things done very fast. That way your prices to your client, schools, <laughs> parents, families, if if you charge per hour and or, you know you're you're calculating how much you're going to to charge for these things to make it worth your time, uh the longer you spend on doing the post processing, the less money you're going to make and uh the more expensive you're going to have to make or the more expensive you're going to have to make your the end results. And so uh, even though there, there might be a world where you can, you know, not give them even digitals, which today I think would be tough. I think everyone expects that they get digitals, but you can make it like as long as you buy some, you know, print package, some like minimum print package, you get the digitals, you know, you can, you can work that out. Um, but still, the, those those packages are going to have to be reasonably priced. And if you are going to be spending you know, 400 hours on this, that's not going to be reasonably priced, at least to make it worth your time. So speed is super, super important. All right. And so, it sounds to me that the only income you're making is when you do sell prints. Is that right? You're not so, getting any upfront fee. Yeah. 
So here, here's the problem. It used to be the case where before Life Touch was out there, like it's nationwide. Life Touch is yeah, everywhere. Yeah. They are a massive company. They've got it down. Like I said, tra- minimal training kind of requirements. The you get the higher teenagers. They run it and it produces results. Uh, they come in to a school and their pitch will be: the school pays nothing. We come in, we set up. All it is is we we make our money off of the prints. We mark up the prints significantly for what it costs us to produce them. And that's how we make money. And they do it in volume across the nation. So their their pricing is super competitive, of course. Very, very yeah. competitive. And they're they're making gobs of money to be able to do it. So you're competing with that. As you're going to try to do sports photography, you're competing with that. Now, unless you're like the parent of one of the kids on the team, then you may not be competing with that. You you might have an in there and and maybe people would be more willing to do it. But if you're just approaching a school, like this is a, an idea of something you want to do to make money, uh, you got to be prepared for the school is not going to pay you. Right. <laughs> you're not getting a sitting fee to do this shoot for the most part. Now, you... If after you do this a couple of years and and the images are stunning, uh, you may convince them like, okay, the only way this makes sense to me because of sales over the years and not being what you need, uh, the only way I'm going to do continue doing this is a sitting fee. Then and you know negotiating, they might be able the the parents of the team, you know, fundraisers, whatever the the situation might be different. But going in fresh, you're competing with a life touch who's going to charge the school nothing. Um, sure. and, and you're that, that's the competition. So yeah, don't expect a sitting fee or any kind of payment up front. You're going to make your money off of selling prints primarily and everyone expects digitals these days. So, sure. okay. So, um, speed wise then green screen. And let me tell you about the tool. Well, let's, let's start with the, the lighting setup, how, how I got the lighting yeah. to, to get set up here. Um, and I, I didn't decide to do green screen trivially. I spent a week <laughs> in my home trying to do test shoots about like, I got to decide, am I going to finally try the green screen? Because everyone in this industry is, almost everyone is saying green screen is the way to go for the speed. and Or am I going to stick with what I know, <laughs> the white screen that I've been super successful with? It just has definitely taken me longer than I wanted. And so, um, so I did a whole bunch of testing and I tried out this software beforehand and I'll, I'll tell you what the software is after we get the lighting, but the lights, um, there is so much information about how to use this tool. There is almost no information on the lighting. I don't know if people are trying to protect their secret behind high speed TNI sports photography or, or what it is, but I couldn't find anything on what the lighting setup is. I went into the group and searched for lighting setups, and I did manage to find one where there seems to be a pretty standard lighting setup that people have. It's five lights, <laughs> and I don't, I didn't have, five. yeah, five <laughs> lights. I like, I don't want to set up a five light system on this. I don't have uh, the. I'm going to use my Godox lights. I have three of them. I don't have five, and um, so I, I, I decided I'm going to do a variation on it. And I, I found uh, some other people are like. That is a good setup. This they have like the distances all marked down. Like people who really get into this actually custom printed massive screens that they lay on the ground, like uh, canvas, not canvas, uh, nylon. Or no, what is that? It's like a a plastic screen that you they can print on. And and uh, anyway, they they printed 
like footprints where the the models stand. They printed X's where the lights go (laughs) so that, you know, they can get in there and they can set up fast. They can really make this go quick. And, um, and so they, they've got the distances down and they, they've got the lights, all of that's all figured out so that they can just bam, like there's no metering you need. It just is going to work. Um, I'm, I wasn't ready for that. So I get my three lights I want to use. And I, I, some other people are like the five light setup is awesome, but here's a three light variation that works really, really well. So what you do, the, there's two important factors here. The first is you want as little light as possible on the green screen have the green screen mostly lit by ambient light Hmm. and barely have it lit. There'll be enough bleed from the flashes and and the other lights that you're working on to do it. But you want it. it, It's not only to make it so that it's easy for the software to see it. It's to eliminate that spill. The more light that hits that green screen, the more that green color cast light is bouncing around everywhere and is going to end up on your model. And that's hard. Yeah. So what you're saying, this this does change your shoot compared to what you did with the white. Absolutely. You did have a dedicated light to make sure you blew out that white background. Yes. Very different And now sounds. you're just allowing the fall off from the lights that are on the people. You're allowing the fall off, the person, people, whatever. You're allowing that fall off to maybe get to the green screen, but you're not actively lighting the green screen to a certain level of illumination. That's right. I did everything I could to make sure that my lights don't reach that green screen. It's still going to, but as minimally as I could get it, that was, that's one of the big keys to this, to making it so that it'll work well. And then the second thing, well, I guess there's three. The second is, you know, now you got to light your model and make it so they look good. So traditional portrait lighting stuff, Trying to make it so that you consider, though, that you don't want to get light on the green on the background. You you want to light the model without lighting the background. So taking that into consideration as you set it up. The third, then, would be hair light is very, very important. That is what's going to make your hair stand out in the photo from the green. And it makes it so that the software can separate the two really well really, really well. As long as that green is, is a lot darker than the hair, then it, it just goes away. Go ahead. Ben. And where do we place this hair light? Yes. Because there's certainly some arguments we can think about where placement, where have you found the best placement to be? I don't know about best, but I'll tell you what worked for me. Okay. <laughs> that's, sure. That that's, that's, you're right. Perfect. <laughs> so I in the five light setup, one of the lights is a C stand light, overhead of the model pointing down to the back of the head. That's one of the five lights. I didn't have, I don't have the C stand to, to use with it. I, I need to get a C stand, I, but I don't have one. Um, pointing to the back of the head, but overhead. So but basically overhead. directly overhead. Yeah. So like tilted away from the background. Cause again, we're trying to do everything yeah. we can to not light the background. And, uh, and then, but making sure that it will do a good job of providing like a, a bright fringe around the model and especially the hairs. Sure. And you're probably going to find a little bit coming on their shoulders too, to give you a little bit of a highlight right. on the shoulders right. as well when you do that. Right. So that's the five light setup. I didn't yeah. do that. What I had, and I, I had been preparing this for a little while now. Um, one of the key elements I have seen used heavily by all of these sports photographers are strip boxes. So for people that aren't familiar, strip boxes are soft boxes that are long rectangle soft boxes. 
So they're not octagon. They're not circular. They're very stretched out. Mine are, I think, about eight inches wide by about four feet tall, something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't strip boxes are nice. Yeah. So the, the idea of these strip boxes is you provide even light for an entire body of a model. And, um, and then you can add it like a grid to control the light. So a grid is like, it looks like a, an egg carton kind of <laughs> that you attach to the front of it. Uh, so you have it like a, a diffuser, the front of the stuff box, a white diffuser, and then you can attach a grid that helps direct the light so that you, you control how much is spilling to the background. It doesn't, by default, as it comes out of the soft box, it kind of, you know, spills over the edges and sprays out a lot and it will end up hitting your background. And so the grid helps control that. So you, you direct the light to come directly where you want it. And so, uh, they use these because we want light that is pretty even from head to toe of the models. Um, so we, we like those strip boxes to be able to have that light spread from head to toe instead of being, you know, smaller around. Um, and, and we don't want like a massive, you could do like a 60 inch or something softbox, but then that's going to spray light all over your background too. We want to control this light so that it doesn't go to the background. And so uh, I bought strip boxes ages ago, trying to to follow the, what I had seen in the groups to do this. Um, I don't have grids though, so I I, I did have some spill that happened um, that I had to deal with. And so the you have one on the right and one on the left of the model. So this is the idea is this is going to now provide the light on both sides of the model and potentially can be your hair light in the three light setup. That's how I was going to do it. This was providing my hair light. And so I set these up so that you, one of the setups I had seen was having it like directly even with the model right and left and just pointing towards each other. Sure. Um, the problem for me was I have no grids. So I, uh, that produced a lot of spill onto the green background that I didn't like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't lighting the hair enough. So I moved them further towards the screen and rotated them forward towards the model so that they're pointing away from the screen. They're point, both pointing towards the back of the model and it provided a really good wraparound light everywhere on the, the body of the model and did a decent job with the hair light without spilling a bunch of light onto the green screen background. So that worked out good. But now did you have another light to for lighting yes. the front of the model still then? Yes, so that's so okay. those are the two lights. Now the third light, I used a normal softbox. In this case, I think it was a oh uh, 45 inch or something. I don't know. It's a Godox softbox that I, I have. And um and I set it up so that it was high overhead, pointed down towards the model, again trying yeah. to control the flow of light so it does not hit the green screen. And then, and, and that was, and got it as close as I possibly could to the model so that it's just providing fill light that, you know, to meet, uh, what is, is there on between the soft boxes, the strip boxes on either side of the model. And I, I purposely did it in the sports photography world. You're not after like fully even light because we want to show off the athletes muscles, the contours of their body, their, their athletes. And to do that, you need more stark contrast in the lighting than normal client shoots would be. I w- you wouldn't want to set this up for normal portraits, but yeah. for sports portraits, totally acceptable to have pretty bright highlights on the edges of the body and um, 
and then only have, you know, fill light enough to make it so that it, you don't have dark shadows in places. Right. So my goal with that front softbox then that's, you know, in the front of things providing light was to make it just enough that I was getting a, an even exposure on like the center of the body, but the light from the side side uh, strip boxes was the primary source of light for for this so that and that just really drew out the the muscles cool. and and you can see yeah. the, the things in the body so so let's um just to make sure i fully understand where you're at we have the backdrop set up it's a green backdrop yep how far in front of that backdrop is your model excellent standing? i'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> because, because then i'm going to go through the rest of your setup but i want to make sure i understand how far what that separation is yep because it certainly determines on how, number one how big your right, backdrop is right well the venue that you have available to you right the millimeter size lens that you're using how tight you're in versus how wide you are there's a lot of parameters that are going on here yep so let's walk through that so so listeners really know exactly what your setup was and then maybe they can use that as kind of a starting point so how far was the person standing in front of that background yes another critical critical aspect to this even with what i just described the three light setup if you are too close to that background, you're going to get massive green spill onto your mouth. Yeah. It's just going to be horrible and you won't get rid of it. it. It will not be gone. And this is one of the mistakes I made in the past uh, doing tests in my house. I didn't have the space I needed to actually set this up the way it needed to be set up. And that's why my results from my house were not encouraging to me. And I had to take yeah. a big leap of faith. I like, okay, in a bigger space, the gym, I have unlimited space. <laughs> it's it's yeah, huge. Yeah. And so, uh, so I have to, t- I, I got to the point where I thought, okay, I think if I get this set up the way I think it, the way I'm describing, I think I, that the spill will be controlled and I'll end up with good results. And I, I won't regret this. If I do, it's just going to mean I'm going to be spending even more time this year on this because I mm. got green. I got to remove out of my images now. Um, I, I thought I would be salvageable, but it was going to take too much time and, you know, I'd learn from it. I'd be like, yeah, green's just not, I don't like it. I don't know what all these people are talking about with green speeding things up. Uh, so that was my mindset going into this. They, everyone says, and this is true, even if you have a very bright white background, you got to get that model a little bit away from it so that the sure. the bright, and I made this mistake one year, the bright white light, um, that makes it so that your contrast on the edges, if your model's too close it you lose so much contrast on the edges and it it looks awful when you extract them you, you can try to add some um lights into your template that you're sticking them in like if you if you put a like star effect of the of what a flash can look like in there in the background then you can kind of make it look like it matches and and yeah. and make it okay but oh it's just I hated it. That was really tough one year that I made that mistake. I got my model too close to a bright light in the background and it just ruined the images. Um, I had to compensate in a way I didn't want to. So, well, and then you've, if you're doing that white background too, you've also got the potential if you blow it out too much, you've got lens flare absolutely to happening. And that's just, that's probably what you're talking about. In addition to just the fact that you're too close, you're spilling too much light. You also have the potential of a lens flare. So you want to control that. Uh, intensity on that background, but certainly in the green a- aspect of things, you're not lighting the background directly. Right. So it is a completely different, it, um, totally different yep. setup and experience. That's right. Okay. So, so um, every recommendation I'd seen was you want at least five feet from the background, okay. at yeah, least five, sense. the more, the better, 
honestly. But then that means, like you just pointed out, the further your model is away from it, the bigger that green background's got to be. It's got to be huge right. if you get them further away. So the further, the better. But practical, um, you know, setups for it, five feet is really what everyone kind of says. Five feet and then follow all the suggestions about don't light that screen. <laughs> Do not put light on that screen if yeah. at all possible. Do not light that screen. And it's – All am- right. Yeah. Okay. So oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to then ask because so they're five feet in front – and then you had mentioned you took the strip banks around towards the sides. And I think what you said was you actually didn't use what you would call a traditional hair light. You used the strip banks to be both your hair light and a side lighting yep. where they're they're coming in from both sides. And I think you had said that you had put those uh, to the same intensity level. Is that right? Or did you provide variance in those lights so no. one is brighter than the other? Um, so actually I ended up having a variance for a little bit because one of my lights decided to go to TTL mode <laughs> during, oh, during the fun shoot. times. I, yeah, not <laughs> sure how that happened, but I, I took a couple of shots and I looked, I was like, I don't think that light's firing. And then I just, and I was like, what's going on? Took another test shot. I'm like, yeah, that didn't fire. And I went over and looked and I'm like, oh, it's in TTL. I hate TTL. Oh, that's weird. I wish I could just turn it off. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. So. Would you characterize those lights were actually behind the person yes. a little bit and and then coming forward, they were actually shining more on the back of the person. So it's kind of a sort of a rim light, but not so far back where it's absolutely rim light only. Yes, I'd say I put the lights cool. probably at about maybe two feet or three feet from the background, from the green background, pointed okay. uh, across each other, right? Kind of uh, towards the model so that they both met at the model and... Yeah. Uh, right lit it that way yep yeah so if we were to kind of run it as so if the model is looking directly towards you and they were to go directly to their right or their left that's 90 degrees over but it's behind them more so it's like a 45 degree behind them yeah probably a little steeper than 45 oh really okay mm-hmm. but uh, nice but yeah, it that that was the idea. And I'd seen that as a suggested lighting setup. I did as much testing as I could here in the room that I had. And I thought, okay, I'm really close to having something that works. It was still too tight a space. And I think I had green yeah. bouncing off the walls and <laughs> and it was sure. it was impacting it. But I was happy enough with the tests I ran that I took that leap of faith and I thought, I think this is gonna work. I'll set yeah. it up there. I want to be there early enough. And they, they had practice going on. So I had some time, thank goodness, to, to try it and set it up and, and see if I liked how it was working. And so, uh, so I, I decided to take that leap and I did the green and set this up and it worked out great. It worked out and then really you, good. And then you had a softbox that was immediately in front of the person, but up. Yes. How, about how far away from the person's head would you say the softbox on average was? Yeah, probably about three feet above okay. their head. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that was just like, I got it as close as I could without getting it in the frame. I wanted, I, it, so right. I had to set this up. We have girls that are between five, five and six feet tall. This is basketball. So there were some tall yeah. girls. And so I had to have the greens. I knew as I was setting it up, like I, I didn't, my wife is five, two, so I didn't have a good model to put in front of this to make sure that their head was not, was still in the green screen. So I, I set up, actually I had, I used myself for a minute. I, I, I stood there and had my wife set up where the camera needed to be so that we could get the entire length, uh, height of the green screen in the frame. And then I set the softbox so that it was just out of the frame. 
Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so then, then once that's set up, it was just a matter of getting all the girls to come through it. Um, the screen, the background I used is a 10 by 20 background. So, and I used the 20 feet on the width and then the 10 feet for the height. And, um, and so I, I had this on, I think it was an eight foot tall stand. And, uh, that means there was like two feet of extra green screen to bring towards the model as background for like their feet. That's only a couple of feet though. So that's not meeting my five foot requirement to get them five feet away from the background. So then what I used is I have a little, I have a pop-up green screen that I bought for putting in the background of like my remote working stuff, trying to make it, you know, so you, you have a green screen for zoom calls. (laughs) And, um, and I used that, I just popped that out. It's about a, I, I think, I don't know what the exact dimensions are, but I think it's about three feet, four feet width one way and about six feet the other way. Something like it's like an oval shaped green screen on one side, blue screen on the other. And that the idea of that is just to put it in your background, like for remote video, that's what it's for. And I laid that down on the ground underneath the, the bit of green screen from the background that I had extending that background so that I had enough room to get them five feet from the background and uh, avoid that spill, but still had green for them to stand on. That worked great too. Um, the other nice thing about that was I, it has a black rim on this green screen pop-up thing and that black rim, very visible and super, another super critical step to this was the, you want as little green screen in front of the model as possible. So yeah, you might have your model stand on a green screen so that you can extract like, you know, as much of them as possible without having to do any work with the green screen. But, um, the more green screen is in front of them in front of their feet, the more opportunity you have for that green now to reflect up onto them. Right. So the recommendation for most of the people is if you don't plan to use the feet and a lot of shoots just don't need the feet, you, you might need knees up. You might need like socks up depending on what your background is and how you're going to use them. But if you're not going to use the feet, don't even have them stand on green, have the green screen end behind them, you know, whatever behind them you can and that just eliminates the opportunity for more green spill. I had plans to do um, some special senior shots for this, for the seniors that are on the basketball team and use their feet. So I wanted to have the full, all the feet, but I only needed like just to the end of the toes. I, I, I wanted as little green screen as possible from the end of the toes to the edge of the green. And so this black border was a very nice visual. I didn't plan it. It just, worked out great as I did the shoot to be able to tell all of the athletes because they all come and they, they want to stand in the middle of everything. They want to go right in the middle of the, the floor green screen stuff. And I have to always tell them like, okay, move forward so that your toes are about an inch behind that black edge of the green. And that was instantly like understandable to them and we're ready to go and (laughs) we can do the shoot. It worked out really well as an instruction thing. Now, if you didn't have the black edge, I'm sure I could say, come really close to the edge of that green screen. I want your toes like an inch behind the edge of that green screen. And that would be, that would be fine. But the black just made it super easy to be able to reference it. Get your, your toes an inch behind the black and then boom, they're there. So, so that helped. And that was a mistake I would, I've seen made in the past or I've made in the past as I did tests. I had too much green screen in front of the model 
And that really causes a problem with spill that is super hard to correct. So that's that's an important aspect. I've seen some um, people say that the way they prefer to do this then is you get enough of the green screen to get it to like their ankles get covered and have the green screen end like at their shoes. And then you put white, a white background reflector so that you actually get spill of white onto them. And that helps like control the green and it, it's a, oh. it has a nice effect. So if you're not planning to use feet, that's a, a really good suggestion, but even the gym floor would be fine. Cause then there's no, it, just as long as it's not the green, you don't want the green in front of the model. Okay. So there's the lighting setup. Is it, does it all make sense? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll see. We'll see what the listeners think <laughs> we'll go through this. If they liked it, let's talk, let's talk. Will do you have any other questions about the setup? No, I think uh, I have a really good, solid understanding of how it was all set up and your reasons for where you place the lights where you place them. So yeah, I think it's um, and it's important to note too. I think um, you know once you had this variance of of height in the people, and you were accommodating for that. So that's something that we just need to be thinking about, especially when you have a basketball team or really any other team. It's just you're not going to have a single build. You just got to have that flexibility to uh, take into account those different sizes of people that you're going to be dealing with. And it sounds like you were able to do that uh, fairly easily. Right. You know, it, it definitely was the case that I wasn't adjusting the height of that softbox to their height. You know, that there's no time for that. We got to get through these girls as fast as possible. The shoot took, so with 33 girls, the shoot took like two hours as it was. So there's, wow. n- there's no way Yeah, and some, some of it's like them goofing around and not getting serious to get in there. And, you know, there's, there's teenagers working here. So, so some of yeah. it is that, but, <laughs> but it, it would have been like a problem if I had to adjust that softbox every time for every girl that wouldn't work, that would take too long. So, uh, you know, I set it so that it would work for what I helped was the tallest girl. And, um, and then it was good enough to cover it fine for the, the shorter girls too. And nice. for that tall work. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the software. So now you have these beautiful images, well lit, that have green in the background and are totally unusable for anything (laughs) until you extract the athletes from that green background. So um, you have the free option is the Photoshop. We already talked about this. Select subject, remove background stuff. Um, And remove background is a button that you can get now uh, where it'll do both. It'll select the subject and then it will create a mask automatically for you with the sub subject selected and, uh, and then, and make the background black and the subject white in the mask, which is what you need. And I did try it on my images just to see like before I paid for the software, I wanted to see like, Hey, is Photoshop a, is, is it smart enough now where I have like zero work? The goal here is one click extractions. You run the action or you do the remove background, whatever the, the software is that you're going to use, and it extracts the green perfectly and you end up with a mask that is totally usable. That's the goal. And I was not really sure I was going to believe that that was going to happen with even with the specialized software that I was looking at. It totally does. <laughs> it's so good. I cannot believe how good it is. So I have tried numerous. The one I'm going to tell you works and works really well for green screen extractions is uh, something from PixNub, and that's uh, PixNub.com. And they have a few things in this space. They have been selling um, sports photography extensions 
for years and years and years now. And they've developed such a reputation among this sports photography world that there's almost no other recommendation out there. Um, an alternative could be sending it off to a, an extraction service. If you didn't want to buy the software or spend the time to do the extractions yourself, um, a lot of people, a lot of the people that I saw in the Facebook groups were sending it off to like, uh, Oh, what's the name? I forget that there's several companies that you can send them off to and they will, I don't know if they use this same software or how they do the extractions exactly, but they'll send you back, um, TIFF files with perfect masks or pretty perfect masks of your athletes fully extracted and ready for use. And they do it within like 24 hours or 48 hours or something at a fairly reasonable cost. So uh, there's a lot of photographers I've seen that that's what they opt for now, rather than even doing this themselves, they send it off to a service to have that part done and then they can, they can take it from there. Um, I liked doing this myself. I liked being able to make this happen. So this PicSnub, the first extension that you have to use is something called Easy Green Screen. And they're on version, I think 6.5, if I remember right, something like that. Um, many, many iterations. And it keeps getting updated as the capabilities of Photoshop itself gets updated. So they do a very good job of keeping this extension um, up to date, leveraging the power of whatever's in Photoshop. And they are using select subject in the extension as part of the workflow, part of the process that gets automated. But there's way more to it than that. That's why this is totally worth, I think it's $150 to buy this uh, for a single computer license for this easy green screen software um, that allows you to use it as like a filter, kind of like a filter on, on a image on a single like layer, or you can run it as batch mode, which is what I needed to do. Like you, you can get things set up configured so that the images you've got will get extracted perfect the way you want them. And then you just save off that configuration and run it in batch and it will do it for all 500 of your images and again, provide you model extracts. Go ahead, Brent. So yeah, let's let's back up half a second <laughs> okay. here. Right. So what I think you're probably doing is would you initially bring these into Lightroom and do your processing there and then you would export out some JPEGs or TIFFs and then you would run this software on it? Super good question. I'm I'm really glad we had, <laughs> had you come on <laughs> so that we could do that because I wouldn't have thought to talk about that, but absolutely right. Yes, I brought in my raw, I shot raw for sure. And then I brought my raw images into Lightroom and um, did, you know, highlights, shadows, kind of your normal workflow stuff. But I also used Lightroom to um, figure out where I wanted the saturation of the green, the saturation and uh, brightness yes. of the green. This, good, this, yes. uh, the plug, the extension is looking for a specific range of greens. And I mean, it's, it's got some tolerance. You don't have to have it be exactly a certain saturation or a certain uh, color tone or any of that. It's got some range to it, but um, when you bring it into this easy green screen extension, one of the things you can check is the calibration settings and it will tell you what it saw in the HSL values, the, the hue saturation and, and light, um, settings of the green and give you suggestions on like, you know, you're like in the middle of the range that we're looking for, or you're maybe just outside of the range that we're looking for where it doesn't work very well. And you might need to do something in the HSL panel in Lightroom 
to uh, accommodate. Like if you didn't get your lighting yeah. exactly how, how you want it, it's going to be super like, unless you tether on site and check it, which it would totally be a valid thing to do in a workflow. Uh, I didn't have time for it, but that I actually thought about maybe doing that tether, take a picture, take it into the CZ green screen, check it and see if I need to do something with the lighting. Um, sure. But, but it's, you know, you could do that. So I, I did a few round trips from Lightroom into Photoshop, playing with the saturation luminance of the greens in the image and got it to where I, I got it like perfectly in the middle of the range. And, and that produces the best results to make it so that the software can just get rid of the green. Um, and then I did the other things like, you know, eyes, teeth, whitening. I did some of that. A lot of the photographers won't do that. I mean, volume right. is the name of the game, so they don't have time for brightening teeth. That's not going to happen <laughs> or removing acne or whatever kind of things you might do for a normal senior shoot or something like that. Most of these photographers, time is money. And in a massive way here, they are not going to go through 500 images and pick, you know, fix the teeth on <laughs> and brightness on that. But at least, uh, you know, the broad shadows, highlights, uh, vibrance, whatever things that you might normally do to a photo. Yeah, for sure. I, I did that in Lightroom. And then it was more like a copy and paste other than the eyes and teeth. I did do that on some key images, not all of them, but on some key images, I did end up uh, adding some brighten white teeth, white whitening of teeth. There we go. And, there uh, go. and eye stuff anyway. So yes, Lightroom first, then I extracted or not extract. Then I exported to TIFF and that's, okay. that's because I needed TIFF files for the software to work. It won't read a CR2 or a raw file. Right. So I needed it. I didn't want to lose any. So JPEG is totally an option, but I didn't want to lose any of my color information by going to a JPEG that early. That's going to be the very last step is JPEG sure. for me. So I, I exported to TIFF, 16 bit TIFFs and um, put that into, you know, a folder. And then that's what I pointed the software to. So you to run this utility, this extension in batch mode, like I said, you can, and I, uh, I should mention the Lightroom round tripping where I was testing the green. That's also where I got the configuration for what I did. The only real configuration thing I ended up having to do was I, I wanted to contract the final mask that it built by two pixels. Okay. Um, so in the, it just has a little drop down. You can say one to, I think 10, as, as many as 10 pixels, if you wanted to, how many pixels would you like it to contract the mask? And that just brought like the, the edges of the model had a little tiny bit of green that you could see. It wasn't even a full green, but it was definitely, mm -hmm. you could tell there was, you know, something odd. And so just contracting the, the mask by one, by two pixels, just totally took care of it. And it was gone and looks perfect. And so, Sweet. so I, I got the configuration, exported the TIFF, and then you go into Photoshop and it's just under the extensions window and you it's, there's this, um, easy green screen, uh, batch extract brings up a little dialogue box. You point it to the images. You tell it what format you want it to export to, which you have the options of like a, a flattened JPEG where it's just the, the extracted model in the, in a JPEG form, or you can do a TIFF file with the same. So you don't lose any quality, but it's, there's, there's no layers. It's just the pixels, or you can have all layers. You can just say, whatever you do in processing this thing, all the layers that you use, keep them and put, keep them in the TIFF so that, uh, you have the ability to like, uh, change things. And I, that was useful because it, it's not completely perfect in everything that it did. Sometimes it would, uh, especially around the feet, it would have problems or sometimes there would be a little bit of spill on the, the lower legs 
and um, for, for at least what I was doing. I think I could improve my lighting a little bit and make that less of a thing or maybe just not even have them stand on green. The, the few photos where I cared about the feet, I could just cut those out myself. And I yeah. think the spill would be entirely eliminated if I did what everyone recommended and had them stand not on green. And, uh, and that would have worked a little bit better. But um, so it keeps, it keeps all of that. And that made it super simple for me to open up one and be like, well, I see that it, it got rid of a little bit of the legs here and I, I need that. So it was simple to adjust the mask, add back in that little bit of leg and save it, you know, seconds and I'm done per image that, that where I decided I needed to do that. Um, so that, that does the extraction. Now, now you, you what are you going to do with these extracted models? You have backgrounds, a background that you want to put them in. And you could manually go through and, you know, load up the background, drag the the TIFF file image of the athlete into that background, place them there, and then do like a file save as and save that image out to, for that one athlete out to a file and, and manually go through this. That would take a long time to do. Or uh, PixNub offers another thing that they call the sports photo automation tool. And what it does is you set up a target where you want the eyes to end up in an image. And then you can run a batch where it will grab the the TIFF file of the extracted athlete. It will paste them into the background. It will put their eyes at the right spot and zoom them to the right position and save it off as another TIFF file with full layers. This is so much cheating. (laughs) (laughs) And it does this via actually both processes, the easy green screen and the sports photo automation does this using some AI, some uh, facial recognition. It finds the face and this is not something native to Photoshop. This is some AI stuff. They, I believe they licensed from people that built AI recognition stuff so that they could add that as code into these extensions and it's using it to build the mask. That's why it can do such a good job. It can identify the face and it can work on making sure that it has a mask appropriate to where the face is surrounding the face and the body. And like it can start at the face and it can follow everywhere where there's not green and um, to the edges. And then as soon as it finds edges that are green, that's the mask. It can use that. So it, it does the select subject, but then it also does this AI thing and find discovers where the mask should be. And it's, it's amazing at what it can do it and how they've, they've got it to work. They've also got built into the easy green screen, some auto spill correction. It will be able to look at the image, then look at the mask it came up with and analyze it using histograms for where there are green values, some slightly green values. It adds a a compensating pink slash magenta ish. I don't know exactly what color it is. Layer that you know the exact opposite of the green that it yeah. found in the image creates a mask that only that isolates the luminance values of those that green in the image and um and brings the opacity to a certain level depending. It's all auto. It detects what it should do so that it can correct some of the spill that is in the image and get it from green to what it should be. And, oh, it's just incredible what it can do so much better than I could do myself. And it does it in seconds <laughs> without me yeah. even being there. I could push the button. I know it's going to go over lots of images and come back in, in two hours and I have my extractions done. And then I'll set it up to use my background, put it in there. I, I create the target so that it can set the model in there and I'll come back. And now they're all done. They're all put in there how I want them. And uh, so massive time saver to be able to have this work. And, and came all together really, really well. So, um, 
Okay. Any cool. questions about that, Brent? Well, I'm, I am on the website, the PixNub website, as you're kind of going through this and looking at the products. And it looks like this sports photo automation is only a part of their platinum subscription. That's right. That's right. And But the other item, the easy green screen, that is available as a separate p- purchase. So yes. you could get that as a separate purchase or be a part of their... Uh, be a part of their uh, subscription and get all of their software tools. Right. Um, but this one is available separately. So if you wanted to uh, do the <clears throat> bringing it into your background, you know, in a manual sense, you can totally do that. Uh, the automated sense is looks like it's only part of their Platinum Club. But I'm looking through some other things too that they have, like Team Builder, mm-hmm. where you can build up to 12 rows, basically take your pictures that you shot, and now you can make a team image. Yes. The So the idea there, and I did not use this, so I, I can't that, say... That's so cool though. <laughs> right. So the idea is you take individual shots of all of these. Yeah. And, and I did this with every athlete. We had them start with a shot with them holding the basketball. And then I had took a shot of them... Um, rotated left, shot rotated right, and uh, and we did one like action shot, something like you're dribbling nice. the ball or whatever you want to do that's an action shot. And um, so there were at least four shots per athlete that we took. And part of the reason was I was going to build, I, I wanted to build um, a memory mat insert on there. So you'd have like the individual being the big thing in the image, and then you'd have their team memory mat composed together with like the tallest nice. team member and then, and uh, out to the sides. And, um, and so that's, it, it's super easy to be able to, to build that once you have all the, them extracted, but even better is you can have it. Like if you just have them take a, you take the image where it's the traditional, like hands behind the back, you know, team photo that every, everyone does all the players. Right. And normally you would be like sick, putting them on bleachers so that they're at different levels. And, um, or you have sometimes you do it on knees, so the first row on the knee and the second row is people standing up in the case of basketball that could work, not football. And so um, you could take you could have them pose that way, like they're you're they're standing there in front of the green screen. They put their hands behind their back, looking straight forward, shoulders square to the camera and take all of the images. And then you can use that team builder and it will just put all of them in rows so that the faces all show through. Again, it has the AI so that the faces uh, end up being placed correctly every you know in between them and build the rows as if they were standing on bleachers. And then you can use that and, and put that into a background. So and you've got perfect lighting on every person. And perfect, no <laughs> shadows, no yeah, I mean, that's just perfect awesome. lighting on every person. Yes. And and another thing I'm envisioning here too, we're we're kind of dreaming a little bit now. Uh, <laughs> it says it can do up to 100 images per row, and so what I'm thinking is you have your 30 some people on the team. If you were to do a nice big, very wide uh, you know, image where they're just standing right next to each other, yep. And then let's say you had like a 17 inch printer, and you were to print out a 15 foot wide, a 20 foot wide. Uh, you know, team photo that could go in the school hallway that that could be a really cool or in the locker room or something that could be a really cool presentation of the team as far as just a little bit of that recognition of the team, team spirit kind of stuff, whatever in that public venue type thing that could be really cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or you could, um, you know, you could use this for like a massive school group. I've, I've, you know, I've seen, there's a, a little school here, a charter school in, in our area that takes a, a 
a photo of their oldest class. This is a, a middle school. So I think it's eighth grade is what it goes to. And they take a photo of every eighth grader in the school and they have to hire like a, you know, a crew to come <laughs> and get elevated up high enough that they can actually, you know, right. make that work as an image that they can fit them all in. But yeah, if you, if you did this technique and, and did it for the whole school, then you push the button and it would go put them into rows and, and <laughs> the whole school does. That's, it's pretty yeah, amazing. Like I, like I said, that's cheating, <laughs> but it's so cool. So, um, it's good stuff. One other thing I forgot to mention, I'm looking, Ren, I have some samples and I'll put these in the, I'll put a few of these samples in the show notes so that people can yeah. see kind of what we ended up with. But I have the samples, um, of some of these images. I just barely added the teams. I didn't have those in there before, but I've got a team photo for you that you can see how I did this myself. This was not the, the team builder, but, uh, but you can see how this works anyway. Um, one of the other things the automation does is you can create a uh, comma delimited file. So you, you can start in Excel, export that to CSV. It's really simple. And you can provide like the name of the image and then what the name of the person is and some other information. And when you push go to put your model into the template, it will also change the name on the template according to what's in that CSV file. So that saved wow. me tons of time that I didn't, I, I want, I have images where the background has their name prominently displayed above their head and their age, what actually what team they play for, whether they're on the sophomore team or the varsity team. And because that information was in my CSV file, it auto put that in. It also auto sized the name to take up the full name space in the image um, so that it, it just it turns out so good <laughs> to make it work. That's powerful stuff now which one which piece of magic was that because they have was that the that's the sports the photo sports automation, automation mm-hmm. one yep yep wow sports photo awesome. automation yep so it just saves so so much time now some of the images that are samples that i will put out there you'll be able to see i took there were some challenging hair <laughs> to deal with i picked no some of them that have some challenging hair so you can see how well it works to eliminate the green by some of these, uh, you know, really frizzy sets of hair. They're, they're beautiful. I love the hair, but it's hard to extract the images and get rid of the green on that kind of a setup. And, and you can see how it did a really good job of being able to make that work. Sweet. And how big, I mean, I guess, what is the resolution you're working with? What camera are you shooting? So I shot this all with my crop sensor Canon 80D set, um, camera, and they're not even taking the full frame. They're, they're um, you know, uh, as close as I could get. But um, some of these girls are shorter, so some of them are, yeah. are a very small portion of the frame. So there's a lot of cropping and uh, and sizing to, to make it work, but it, it still looks ph- phenomenal. And yeah. I've in the past I've printed a, so I've I've had a similar setup I just didn't do the green screen extraction I did the extractions myself which was way more <laughs> difficult way more time and um, and I've printed these huge on um, poly oh, I can't remember the the what is used anyway they're they're oh vinyl that's it vinyl I've nice. printed on vinyl banners that were six feet tall I printed Ooh, these yeah. images and they're beautiful they do a it's just amazing. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. The last thing that I wanted to share is a, a source for really good templates that you can put the athletes into. Uh, I wish I had a better eye for design. I just, I've tried to make templates myself and I stink at it. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it takes a different skill set to be able to do this. 
And um, third creative, I've tried or I've looked at lots of templates out there. And I think most of them are similar to what I would create, <laughs> which are not great. It's all right, but it's not great. And, but these are great. These are from a company called Third Creative. And they are the best templates I have seen anywhere. Plus, they are specifically built. There's some key things that have to happen in the templates to make them compatible with this PixNub extensions. So for that sports photo automation to work, to put the name in there and have it sized correctly uh, for the size of the name, you have to set up the template. The layers have to have some specific things done to them, names and and how they center and the font sizing that's used and, and all of that. These are all created specifically to work with PixNub so that it is transparent. It's just going to work. Nice. And it's beautiful. So these images, they're great. They're 60 bucks a template. Um, and when you buy a template, you get a whole bunch of different variations on the theme. So each each template they has a whole bunch of themes. And the variations, you can get like a 16 by 24 version, a 16 by 20 version, a horizontal, a portrait. You get a whole bunch of different options of things that you're going to use. The idea being now you can you can increase how much money you're going to make because you reuse the same extracted athlete in four different templates. And when mom and dad see that there's four templates with their child in there, they're going to buy all four of them. They're going to print all four of them. And yeah, I'm thinking they want at least two, but most likely they want all four. <laughs> because they're so cool, they're they're going to buy all four of them. And that it, it will greatly enhance expand how much money you can make from this because you have a whole bunch of variations even though you're using exactly the same athlete image, you you put it in four to five different templates and you're going to, you know, five times your your uh, what you're going to make. So, it's it's really well, good. And as far as they're concerned, they're just happy to have such an awesome service. That's right. You That's know, right. comparing this to LifeTouch, which is a less of a service, <laughs> you know, this is something for, for those who value uh, that type of service for their, uh, their, their kids' time of this, you know, in their lifetimes like this, uh, they're on the team, they're, they're on this team, they're on that team, whatever, and it's about capturing the, the growth of their children kind of a thing. I think most folks are, uh, many folks are going to really appreciate someone who is going above and beyond and offering an amazing service and amazing options. And some will take just the one that they like the best and others will take all four, like you said. And that's just going to be more advantageous to you on the bottom line, but also your reputation just goes through the roof. Yeah, for, for sure. So the in the groups, as I've seen people talk about this in their competition with LifeTouch, there's lots of people who say, well, I just lost, you know, three of my high schools to LifeTouch. And then they'll be, they'll come back, you know, a month later, like, I'm back on all three <laughs> because, nice, yeah. because they saw the results from LifeTouch are like, this is garbage compared to what we were getting before. It is so worth the extra money to pay for that photographer. So now they're in for, you know, good. They're, they're never yeah. going to go back to LifeTouch. Uh, to nice. do that. And not that I'm disparaging LifeTouch. They provide a really good service at a very fair cost, uh, but it's not the same as what we're talking about here. It's just not right. the same. Um, okay. So I think that kind of wraps up um, what's there. I, the one other thing I'll mention about the third creative templates, um, they're very good at design. They're very good at making sure that it's going to work with PixNub. They're also very heavy in processing. 
Hmm. Most of these templates are over a gigabyte in size. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, as you're using them, um, they, it can really slow down your computer. One of his templates in particular had really massive problems using it. And I've taken his template and one layer at a time transferred it over into a new document just to see like what is going on with this thing, why it's so slow. And was able to identify like in one of the templates what was going on. And I got it down to where like I had exactly the same template effect, um, but it was about 300 meg instead of a gig and way easier to use in Photoshop. So no resolution decrease. It's just you can be more efficient in how you build these layers. So it's clear they're like designers and not technical folks. <laughs> yeah. But um, so it just kind of be warned that and actually across all of this, we're talking about a some some things here that take a lot of computational uh, resources. So you, you need your, your computer needs to have some good amount of processing power, memory, and, and all of that along the way. We're, we're dealing with some pretty big images here and a lot of intense processing. And even with, you know, my, I have a, a 4.2 gigahertz machine with 32 gig of RAM to do my extractions on 68 images. It took a half hour for that wow. to happen. So, um, so, you know, it's, it's intensive. So be prepared for like, you're not going to use your computer while this thing is running. You're, you right. don't, uh, plus you risk like causing a problem. So you don't want to risk that. So you, you set this up, you push go, and then you go, you know, get a cup of coffee or something <laughs> for, for a little bit so that it can do its thing and, and have it work. But boy, does it save time. I, I'm almost finished with all of my images to get it on the site and it's been less than a week. So I'm, nice. I'm way, way excited. And this is, in part-time evenings, a little bit on Saturday. Um, and it's just saved me so much time to be able to make this something that um, I hope I'll be able to to keep doing for the high school for a long time to come. It's just, I, I love it, but it, it's nice to have a little bit of money to come in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> helps, uh, helps support the addiction. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, okay, Let's go to doodads of the week. We've talked long enough about this, Brent. We're like almost an hour and a half on this. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's move on. Doodads of the week. I've already talked about what mine are, and that's the, the PixNub extensions. Easy green screen. It's $150 for a single computer license. It's $199, I think, if you want two computer license and, uh, or $200. And then sports photo automation, like Brent mentioned, that is only available to the platinum club members for PixNub, which gives you access to actually everything, including easy green screen. For now it's available for $15 a month with no cancellation fees. So it is technically possible that you pay the $15, you get access to the software, you do your one shoot and you cancel and it will only cost you 15 bucks. But, um, I know that they're about to kill the $15 a month plan in favor uh, or they're going to change it to a yearly option is all they're going to offer. And uh, mostly because they offer support and like really fast support too. I had one issue. So I guess it's good. I can be able to talk about that too. I had an issue. It turns out it's Photoshop 2021, which no one should be using ah. for production. It's just got problems. And as soon as I went back to Photoshop 2020, it was all, it was all good again. So, um, cool. uh, the, there's really good support. I heard back from them within, I think two hours to on my issue. And nice. so, um, so they're, they're probably going to have a year option. They said that they own, they offered the $15 a month only because of COVID. There were lots of photographers that were needing access mm. and, uh, like picking this up as like a, a side thing or something that they, they were doing to try to make some money and compensate for some of the losses that they'd have for, for COVID. So, 
Uh, I think as early as January 2021, it's going to change from no longer any monthly option at all. It's going to be a a yearly cost on that, which is still going to be a pretty reasonable amount, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For all the different software pieces that you get there, they're they're offering quite a bit in that Platinum Club. So if they just multiply that by 12, you're still getting a pretty good deal. Right, right. Um, and and cool. like even for me who will only use this once a year at most, uh, maybe, I don't know, I might pick up. So there's actually a new high school in my area. So maybe through this, I'll be able to send this over to the other high school and say, you guys interested in me doing this there? <laughs> and maybe yeah. I'll pick up a second one. But um, anyway, it, it's a it's a decent price. Brent, what's your dude out of the week? Well, earlier you mentioned uh, a last light background, so I had to go look it up, and I really like it. You had mentioned you put flashes on the sides, and it just has really good illumination for the white background. And that's I've got a class actually coming up at the university where we were all in the studio, and uh, this year I'm in a smaller studio than I was in previous years, so. The idea of being able to properly light a background and such has changed. And now that I've uh, seen this, while it is almost $500, it's $474 for the six by seven foot item. I'm still going to get one because it's just going to make at least two of our projects, maybe three of our projects, that much easier to do. And, And I want that nice illuminated pure white background and this is going to be a great way to do it in a more compact space and so i'm looking forward to that so i figured well i'm going to go ahead and make that my doodad this week because it looks like a pretty neat uh background item and and i think that'll work well for us up at the school so i've got that in my shopping cart right now and i'll be buying it here later today very cool i'm excited to hear what you think about it i would have one because i do like the option of a white background um, if it's going to be a single image where I'm, I'm planning to do like a, an extraction of just one, I still would yeah. probably opt for white. There's just, it's yeah. more forgiving than green. You don't have the, the, the things to worry about that we've just gone through. So if it was, you know, speed is not a, a massive issue anymore when it's just one, then I still might opt for it. But 450, almost five, oh, I know. 500 bucks, that's just not going to work, work for me to get that. Oh. Now it's no big deal if you're doing this sports automation or sorry, this sports photography stuff for lots of high school or lots of, of clients every year. Absolutely. That's a, you know, that's like maybe one <laughs> it's paid for itself after one delivery. Um, yep. probably, but yeah, that's just a lot for me. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the show. We'll, we'll see. This has been a little different one, so we'll, we'll see what the reaction is. Uh, I, I hope people, uh, people enjoyed it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, you can find everything for this show over at masterphotographypodcast.com and a Facebook group. That's uh, Master Photography Podcast. You can go search for that. You do have to ask to join the group and you have to answer the question. If you don't name a show a host on the show, we won't let you in because it means you're not a listener. We only want listeners in that group. So you can use Jeff or Brent. That's all it has to be is Jeff or Brent. I guess you could even put the words Jeff or Brent, but sure. <laughs> but but uh, one of the two of us or anybody who's been on the show in the last year or two, then um, then we'll know your listener and we'll let you in. Otherwise, I'm not. We're not going to let you in. You can um, just check out the Instagram for the show. It's at Master Photography Podcast. Though I have to be honest, I haven't even looked at it for a while. <laughs> we're not <laughs> we're not leveraging that very well. But you can find my work over at jsharmanphotos.com or check out my other podcast, Photo Taco Podcast. And uh, my Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook links will be in the show notes. Brent, where can people find you? 
Yeah, my main website is just my name, brentbergherm.com. That's where I have, well, I'll put my galleries back up shortly where you can look at a few pictures and whatnot, but I've got my print course there and I'll be uh, vastly expanding that as we go throughout the next few months. Um, I have taken a little bit of a hiatus uh, this last four months or so uh, due to some non-COVID related health issues and I'm finally back and ready to go with it and looking forward to to jumping back in the, on that bandwagon of my website. And of course, Latitude Photography Podcast, uh, dot com is the place for those show notes and for the home for that show. And uh, head on over there and listen to that as well. If you're interested in travel and outdoor photography related items, I am on Instagram, just my name, Brent Bergherm. And then I've got my YouTube channel, search for Brent Bergherm Photography, and you'll find my YouTube stuffs there too. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And I think we'll see you again in another seven days. It's been a little, we'll certainly try. A little <laughs> rough in the holiday season to, uh, to make sure that yeah. happens. But that, that is our aim, that we'll see you again in another seven days. 